Good morning. Um, today's reading is Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 24, which, if you've got the Church Blue Bibles, is on page 917. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your gift. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Okay, so... Connect Groups Week 2, Connect Groups Launch Week 2. This one's called Living Differently When We Differ. Okay. I'd just like to start with a prayer, if that's okay. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity to speak this morning. I pray that you bless us with the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you've given me the words to say, that your message is heard in this place this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So, if you're not already aware of what's happening in church at the moment, we're launching a new way of meeting outside of our Sunday service called Connect Groups. These are designed to give everyone an opportunity to meet um, in the week and grow friendships and faith as we spend time with each other. And they replace the existing cell groups that have been around since this um, church was built. That's when they were launched. And they all tended to have a standard sort of formula. So everyone was reading the same messages, doing the same... Um, uh, prayers, talking about the same things each week. Um, these have served the church very well for many years to build relationships um, between people and take us closer to God. Um, and they help to supplement what's on a Sunday morning. Because normally on a Sunday, you arrive and there's a whirlwind of seeing people about rotors, uh, talking to people, maybe catching up with a few people, herding children all over the place. Um, it gives you a chance in the week to be a bit more personal and to get to know people better. Um, they were great cell groups, but after the vacancy and when Paulette joined us, the leadership teams have had a very clear message from God about the direction that the church is going in. And there's three things that we're to gain from our journey. Now, Paulette said, said these last week. Can anyone remember what those three things were? Okay, and we did this at home. You know what this is. Oh, well, well, there you go. It's actually up on the banner. How about that? <laughs> closer to God, closer to one another, and closer to our community alongside through Christ. That's, that's the direction we're going in. So, as Bob Dylan famously sang, the times, they are a-changing. Connect groups contain between about six to 12 people, and the key difference is that they're formed not by location or availability on a particular night, which is what cell groups were, but by common interests and activities, or stages of life, or family situations. It gives more flexibility to how these the groups are formed, and so like-minded folk gather together with an opportunity to pray together, study the Bible together, and worship. And it also helps to grow relationships in the church. Now, we talked about this last week. Has anyone have any ideas of any connect groups they, they fancy launching at all? Joe, yeah? 
Sounds brilliant. An eco-church, so people with um, an idea about environmental matters. Yeah, and praying for the world. Brilliant. Excellent idea for a group. Anyone, any other ones? Yes, Becky. This is the whole point. If you speak out and you have an idea, let people know. There will be other people that are interested in doing that. Prayer walking is a really powerful thing. You can pick an area or a group of, hou- um, a, a group of houses or a, a street. Just go down it, pray for everybody there. And you get, as you say, you see need. You see things that will take you on different journeys and stuff. Cracking idea. The, um, the, my own particular ideas, I've not talked to, I've talked to a few people about this, is starting a fitness so, um, connect group. So the idea being is that we would go out um, running or doing Pilates or yoga or something regularly, but using the same time to read a bit of scripture, do some praying, a bit of fellowship with each other, and that kind of thing. So this is the perfect opportunity to sort of put those words out there, those ideas you've got to, to form these connect groups. So we're going to be meeting on the basis of things we've got in common, which gives us an immediate focus for our group and a starting point to build the relationships on. And it's really important that we're able to meet together and share time in in God's company. Matthew 18, verse 20 states, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So if there's a group of, say, cross-stitch enthusiasts who are busy doing their sewing and they do some Bible study and they do some praying, God's with them on it. If there's a group of people who like to go running, then they can either pray and talk about the, the word at the start or maybe at the end of the run, or if they're really fit during the run, they can catch their breath. And God's there running alongside them. So finding a connect group to join or or start is such an important way to draw close to God and to one another. And using our jigsaw analogy from the concourse there, um, when doing a jigsaw, you get the whole picture. But when you start, you seem to get these little islands of pieces that go together. So for instance, in most jigsaws, you get a start of a 10. There's a, a, a picture of a village. There's a red post box. You get those bits done first. Or there's a car in the corner that's blue, You put those bits together. And that's what connect groups are. Like-minded people grouping together and forming the whole church when all the pieces are put in the same place. But we do need to be mindful of something with this. When we gather together and spend time together, we find our commonality. The things that make us go, you know, I was thinking the same thing. Or, yeah, I do it that way too. And that's very like the apostles, um, as was written in, uh, sorry, the believers who saw the first apostles in Acts 2 verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, that would be great, wouldn't it? If there was no agendas, no egos, no gossip, no he said, she said. And as Jack Nicholson said in Mars Attacks, wouldn't it be great if we could all just get along? But in reality, when we come together in groups, we find our commonality, but we also find our differences. And that's the purpose of the passage in Matthew from today. How God feels when we have our differences that impact our relationships in the church or cause conflict with us, and also what we need to do about it. Now, even though most of us are Christian and we all are different, we all have different views about the world. Sometimes these different views can end up in arguments between people or even groups, and that damages the unity of the church. Now, being different is not a bad thing. The last time I was up here, I use the phrase, the church is, not u- it's, the church is unif- unity, not uniformity. So it's unity and not uniformity. We are all different and entitled to express our differences, but it's how we conduct ourselves as a church with those differences, and that's what Jesus is talking about in the passage. So 
The passage from Matthew is from the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus expands on some of the Old Testament um, laws and gives us a fresh insight into what they were. Now, the message is quite clear in Exodus 20. You shall not murder. Now, most people get through life without breaking that commandment, which is good. But Jesus tells, tells us that the commandment means more than just taking a life. If we're angry at someone, then we're subject to God's judgment too. While anger in itself isn't a sin, we're made in God's image and God got angry in the Old Testament, what we do with that anger can be a sin. So has, has anyone ever wound you up, which made you shout at them or get angry at them? Absolutely, it happens, yeah? Sometimes people frustrate you and get you so wound up, you can't do anything to them, but you go away and you punch a wall or break something. It gets you frustrated. And that anger, whilst it's not a sin itself, it's what you do with it. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. The next bit of the passage says that uh, about saying raka to someone will bring about the same fate, so the same judgment from God. Raka is an Aramaic term of contempt. And so to treat someone with contempt means to consider them unworthy of respect or attention. So sometimes on a Sunday morning, do you perhaps maybe blank someone because you don't get on with them and you just don't want to have that conversation with them? Or perhaps you prefer to spend time with people who are more influential while you're ignoring people who could actually benefit from your time and your experience and your help. The last part of that passage is about anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, I feel this is about being judgmental. If someone does something that you think is silly, then calling them out about being foolish is not what God wants you to do. There's many ways of coming alongside someone rather than, uh, and giving them encouragement and approaching it with love rather than mocking them. If that person has genuinely done something silly, then they probably feel bad about it anyway. And bringing more attention to it is going to make things worse. It's better to support someone and help them feel better than to make them feel bad about something. Now, all of this can cause division in the church where people have these differences. And it can damage relationships, not just between the people involved, but also through the wider church. You get this kind of ripple effect where, the people, where people start taking sides. People talk amongst themselves and the situation, and that gets exaggerated. And through Chinese whispers, things can get blown out of all proportion. Now, a good example of this being noticed in the church was in our, when, in our old church. Uh, when we joined, uh, Em and I joined a house group, and after a few years, we were asked to join a different one, or, or the people in the new group asked us to join with them. Um, now, we knew some of the people in that group really well. Um, others, we didn't get on with at all, but we prayed into it, and um, we felt God saying it was time for us to move on. So I went to the leaders of both groups and said, we're, we're going to move from this one group to the second group, and I thought that would have been enough. The next day, our pastor's on the phone. And uh, he's, he's basically saying, he and his wife want to come over and talk to us urgently. Now, I was genuinely shocked about this. Mark and Bev, you normally need about two or three weeks to get an appointment with either one of them. But they're coming over straight away. So after Gnomes was in bed, they came around and they had solemn expressions on their face, lots of hand clasping. Um, and they went straight on to the subject about us request to change groups. And they said, who's upset you? Um, who are you arguing with? What's the arguments about? Is there conflict they can help with? Can they pray with us? And all from the heart, absolutely. But I was wondering if anyone had ever asked to change groups before without this happening. It turns out the only time they've ever been asked to for people to change house groups 
was if there was conflict, if people had fallen out, if people had arguments, you know, if people weren't talking to each other. And it was crazy. We, we, our decision um, was not because we'd fallen out with anyone. We loved all the people in the old group. You know, we had great relationships with them. They were lovely folk. But we just had this opportunity, and God had said, go ahead and do it. And when we told them that, they just, you could see them just relax. It was amazing to see that. They could see the relief in their faces. They were clearly aware of the damage that can be caused in relationships in the church when this conflict occurs. And on, they were on a damage limitation exercise, really. But the truth was, there were no arguments. We just fancied a change. And we did. And we enjoyed ourselves in the, in the new group. But this is exactly the opportunity that's presented with connect groups. It's a chance to look at what other groups are forming. Uh, or even step out in faith and start your own group. To see who's gathered. So you can build new and closer relationships with, with them. Now, Jesus was acutely aware of the damage that conflict can cause in the church, especially when it's not dealt with. Thoughts tend to fester and grow in people's minds. They get exaggerated. And when people tell others, um, so a disagreement between two people can grow and become between huge groups of the church. So when there's conflict, Jesus has told us in the second part of the passage what we need to do. In the passage it says, first go and be reconciled to them, then offer your gift. Now this is not an easy thing to do. But let's face it, sometimes the most challenging path is the most rewarding. Reconciliation is about rebuilding the relationship following conflict or disagreement. Jesus says to do this before you approach the altar, which means it's a bit like confession. It's something we should do to clear the slate um, and then spend time with the Lord knowing we've done what we can to mend a relationship. I also like to think that Jesus will prompt you if there's someone that you need to be reconciled with. When we come to confession, like before when David calls to confession, the, the bit where he said about thinking about things you've done that you need to confess, all of that stuff comes into your mind, all the things that have happened. You may not have been thinking about it, but it tends to come in there, and that's what you pray through when you're confessing. It's the same with Jesus prompting you about relationships. Next time you come to church, if you get a prompting to talk to someone that you don't want to talk to, but you know you should, maybe that's Jesus telling you to go ahead and approach that person. It is challenging, but if, God prompts, if Jesus prompts you to do it, then it's worth doing. Now, I need to be clear. Not every relationship is going to be mended immediately, and it may take a long time to heal. We're taught forgiveness, but sometimes that can be incredibly difficult to do especially if the person you're trying to forgive is unrepentant and refuses to say sorry or is even still doing the thing that you're trying to forgive them for. In Luke 17, verse 3, it says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and then if they repent, forgive them. If they repent, forgive them. This is if someone directly sins against you, but it also helps if you fall out with someone. Usually when you fall out with someone, the other person has done something that you feel has hurt you or wronged you. Um, they may not even be aware they've done it. But today's passage says to go to that person and be reconciled with them. Speak to them and try to be reconciled. And now if they're repentant and they apologize, then Jesus says we are to forgive them. This can be very challenging depending on what's been, what's been done and said. Um, but remember, if you're following Jesus' instructions, Jesus is with you. He's commanded us to do this, so he's got your back on this. And... Remember that if you forgive someone, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to put them in a position where they can hurt you again. So if you've had a heated argument with someone that's caused 
a month of silence between two people. You don't need to bring that subject up to clear the air. You just need to clear the air between the person and rejoin that relationship. Now, there are situations when conflict can't be resolved. Neither party backs down or apologizes, and there is a stalemate. This is really challenging for a relationship. But as a Christian, you know God's got your back in this. 2 Timothy 4, verse 14 states, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. If you're in a situation where you just can't be reconciled, then pray for that situation. And pray for the other person. And give that to God. He has the power to sort things out, even when our own reasoning and our own reasonableness aren't able to do it. But also, please remember, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus is with us in our relationships, and that he gives us what we need to, to do, to do life and to do church together. We can pray for our relationships that need attention, and we can pray and give thanks for the ones that are growing and flourishing. We can pray for decisions we're about to make about connect groups, too. If you're already in a group, then, may, then you may not feel the need to change. That's fine. You could be already in a group and be perfectly happy with the people in that group, but through prayer, you may get a prompt that there's another group you might want to go and investigate. Uh, you may find that there's a group set up that covers one of your interests, in which case you can meet with those people you already have in common. But that's for people who are already in a group and are going to some sort of week, week, weekday meeting or gathering. If you're not in a group, here's your chance to join one. There's no cliques, there's no preconceptions, and hopefully following the passage in the sermon today, there's no conflict either. There's just groups of people who want to meet and get to know you while worshipping God and journeying along everyone's Christian walk. If you're not prompted to join one of the groups that's forming, then how about starting your own one and inviting some people along? Who knows where it might lead? But the important thing really is to be intentional about it. If you want more information, then grab one of the people with the jigsaw badges on. They're all around the place. Paulette's got one on down there. Um, and there's information on the notice board that's been revamped out in the, the concourse. I think there's a flyer in our notices as well this week about connect groups as well. It's the same one as last week. Um, the, but basically, watch that space out there for the connect groups. More things will be going up, and more groups will be forming, and more places for you to go and investigate. But then make a decision and go for it, and give it a try. This is a period when you can try new stuff. Speak to new people and make new connections to each other and to God. So I want to finish with the reading that was in the 8.45 this morning, and I think it kind of sums up everything that we are, we're doing here. Okay? So this is Acts 2, 42 to 47. I apologize, I don't know which it, what it is in the Bible, in the Blue Bibles. Here it is. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that they performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That last bit again. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now that sounds like the sort of church I want to be part of. Amen.